So real quick, before we dive into the show, I wanted to share that I'm working on my social media presence by focusing on Instagram and LinkedIn. Definitely still learning the LinkedIn game, but it's actually a lot more enjoyable and I can say it's pretty fun. But I can tell you what I love the most is connecting and learning from other like-minded professionals. So if we aren't connected on either platform, I would love to learn more about you and connect together. Go ahead, shoot me a DM, follow me, tag me, let's connect. Let's have some fun elevating our health while we are building our wealth. Welcome to the Business of Being Healthy, where we are passionate about treating our health as good as we treat our wealth. Shelly Bryan here, and I am obsessed with sharing real-life experiences and wisdom to help save you time, heartache, and money as you continue to grow personally and professionally. Twice a week, we push aside that BS to take massive intentional action. And I promise by tuning in, you will receive the straightforward talk you've been waiting for, filled with actionable steps that will inspire you to achieve the health and wealth you desire while you are building your empire. All right, well, welcome back here to another episode on the Business of Being Healthy show. Today's episode is one that you are going to definitely probably listen to twice because you're going to hear some heartfelt conversations that we're going to have and maybe about topics that aren't always talked about yet need to be talked about. Um, These are things that can affect our livelihood, they can affect our health, and they can affect, you know, our overall well-being and how we're showing up. And I could not be more thrilled and honored to have Jess Johnson join me today. And she is a motivational speaker as well as a personal stylist. And this is the best part, is that she is living out her bonus round of life. Now, with that, and I've heard you say this a few times, Jess, you know, first off, welcome to the show. But I have to like, what does that mean? Tell, tell us what does that mean for you? So I actually, hello, by the way, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited yeah. to be here. Uh, the bonus round of my life is basically the life after um, I was granted the gift of sobriety. And I call it the bonus round because it's not guaranteed. Um, it was a gift Um, I choose to think it was a gift from God and I will stand by that because that's just been my experience. Um, But I don't take it for granted. So I I phrase it that way and I say it often because without it, nothing I would have now would be possible. Mm. It really puts things in perspective, right? Like I think sometimes when we're going through life and and things happen, right? We all have different stories or different paths that we've had to go through that like you're living out that bonus round. It's like on those tough days, it's like, wait a minute, like I did get that bonus round. I'm going to stay here. And I I just love that. And, and this is like what you're going to hear today. So you want to stick around for the, like stick around for this whole one, pause it if you have to. Um, but just let's, Let's dive in a little bit to your sobriety. Um, if you would, just maybe kind of take us through it because you have a thriving career right now and you're growing into this motivational speaker. You're going to be reaching so many people, but you couldn't be doing this right now. I don't think if you went through this journey to your sobriety. So maybe if you could take us back and then how sobriety um, came into effect. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't dwell on a lot of this too long. So I very rarely talk about these things, quite frankly, because often our stories, our backgrounds are different. And I choose to focus on the similarities and not the differences. So I, I try not to alienate people from thinking, well, she was X, Y, and Z, and I'm an ABC, so it's not the same. Um, but for the purpose of this conversation, um, I am a raging alcoholic. I have been gratefully sober um, since January 16th, 2017. Um, I got sober in um, a 12-step program and a fellowship where I was able to find myself again. Uh, Today, I use a lot of tools 
to stay sober, um, including the practice of gratitude. Um, but my relationship with alcohol uh, was not particularly classic. So I choose to think that I, I drank like a normal person um, in college and didn't really have any instances or consequences or really anything scary or bad happen around alcohol in my 20s. Um, and my relationship with alcohol changed later uh, because I started using it to escape from my life. Uh, I like to say that I drank like a drug user because I drank as much as I could, as fast as I could, because I didn't want to deal with whatever situation was occurring at that moment. Um, so my ultimate goal was a blackout um, because I just, I wanted to check out. Um, and I had a couple of blips with alcohol um, in my, in my thirties uh, and in my late thirties, I had a pretty serious run um, that was complicated by a lot of other things, which isn't uncommon. Um, dual diagnosis of addiction is prevalent in the sense dual diagnosis, meaning you are an alcoholic, but maybe you're also dealing with an anxiety or depressive episode. Um, I like to be very clear, however, um, that I choose to believe that I would have been an alcoholic no matter what, um, because that allows me the acceptance to know that my life circumstances and or the things that I experienced along the way, um, I don't use them to, to um, say my addiction was okay. They are not reasons for my drinking. I was not going to get and stay sober if I didn't take full accountability for my own actions. And I can't take accountability if I'm also saying, well, I drank because of this situation or this situation or because this happened. Um, so I just clear the slate and say, I was going to be an alcoholic. I have a family history of alcoholism. Um, and that was how I was going to end up no matter what, because that lets me then say, okay, now what? So this was going to be me. These are the cards you are dealt. What are you going to do with them? Um, and for me, that was an extremely pivotal moment um, that didn't come in early sobriety. Uh, I was granted the gift of recovery through an intervention. Uh, my family arranged for an intervention. I was living in Missouri at the time. Um, and my parents um, and family friends arranged for that. And ultimately, it ended up in an interventionist company um, picking me up in Missouri, putting me on a plane, uh, completely intoxicated, by the way, and bringing me to Arizona where I entered um, detox and then long-term alcohol treatment. Um, I was in patient for alcohol treatment for 123 days. Um, and then I lived in a sober living um, for another six months. And those foundation pieces um, allowed for me in part to have the life that I have now. Um, I lived in a sober living not far from where I live now. I've always lived within about a five mile radius in this area of Scottsdale. And I've always, um, since I finished treatment, I've always worked for anthropology. And I got that job very early on, um, right out of treatment because I needed a job. So basically I walked into an open interview and said, um, I just really need a job. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And, and followed through with that. I did whatever they asked. Uh, so that would mean that I would come in on Saturdays and Sunday mornings and clean the store. That would mean, you know, doing whatever job, paid at the time, uh, just to 
be of service and to try to find my footing again. Um, because I was a, by the time I finished treatment, I was a 39 year old woman who is basically trying to figure out how to navigate life sober. Mm. And even though I didn't have a really long run of alcoholism, um, really long, meaning it, it was a couple of years, not 20 years, it was two years. Um, but that two years was so toxic to not only my body physically, um, but to my, to my soul and to my spirit that the, the amount of time it took to recover. Um, I mean, you can obtain chemical sobriety much, much earlier than emotional sobriety. So the alcohol leaves your system, um, your behavior that takes longer to change mm. your way of thinking that takes longer. Uh, your habits takes longer. Um, so I had to do all of that. And it was, in a word, it was strange. It was kind of like being like an alien being dropped onto earth um, where you're just like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and you just, you sometimes really don't know. And you just do what's in front of you correctly. And it just leads you to the next thing. And some days that's all you can do. Um, so I've been grateful to maintain continuous sobriety. I know that that is not a guarantee uh, and that is only um, granted me each day through the, the habits and the things that I do to make that happen. Not everyone is given this chance um, and I try to take it seriously. Um, it doesn't mean I do it perfectly. I certainly don't. I make a fair amount of mistakes, but I'm going to keep showing up. So first off, I just, you know, want to thank you, um, for sharing, for sharing that I can tell, um, it's not easy, right? Like, um, sharing that on a platform, um, takes a lot of bravery and courage. And so I really want to acknowledge you for that right now. And there is so much in there that I, I want to dive into a little bit more because, you know, as high achieving men and women who are listening to this show, it's, I don't want to discount the alcoholism at all, but I do think that addictions come in many forms. And while most people hear the word addiction, they think alcohol and or drugs, right. And, right. or maybe sex, like these are our like common, like taboo addictions that we hear about, but there's also a work addiction. Mm -hmm. There's also, you know, um, sleep deprivation. There's also a horse addiction. I had a horse addiction <laughs> that I had to work through this last year. Like th there are things that we use to pacify other feelings. And I, I think that, you know, we can say that's not us. Oh, that's not me. That's fine. I'm working. I'm, I'm working to sit, you know, I think a lot of people that listen in can really tie to that work one. I'm working to provide for my family to do for this, for the business. I'm, I'm working, working, working. And it changes your mind, right? Like it has a perspective because I've, I've been in periods of this. The kids have really helped me when I get out of whack, then I'm like, Oh, I can, I can course correct. I, it still happens though. Just like you said, we're human. But I'd love for you to just share a little bit because one thing that you said is like, you got accountable, you took responsibility. And I think that's one of the hardest things is to really reflect and look in the mirror and be like, this was me. It's also pretty empowering, I got to imagine, because it's also me that can get me out of this. Yes. I mean, all of that, all of that is true. Um, at the time, I'm not sure I felt particularly empowered. Um, I think I was, I mean, I say it a lot. I was desperate to not be sick. Um, you know, by the time I entered treatment, uh, I was such a dependent alcoholic that I was drinking all day, every day, um, in detox. Um, 
I tested at a 0.487 or something obnoxious like that. And I was incredibly belligerent. Um, but you're right. The, the alcohol is just the, um, the symptom, right? Like, and, and the symptom for, for anyone can be all kinds of things. You mentioned a few, uh, alcohol and drugs, most definitely there are sex addictions, there are gambling addictions, there are shopping addictions. Um, there are work addictions, there are social media addictions. Mm. Um, and that one is a little bit of a hot topic right now <clears throat> as well. Um, I am leery of anything that keeps me from my true self. So acts as a barrier between me and my feelings. Um, getting sober was really, really uncomfortable because I had to feel everything all the time. So if you are a workaholic and you perhaps are struggling with a home life that is difficult and you choose to be at work or to throw yourself into work instead of dealing with a home situation or how it feels at home or loneliness, you're, you're using work the same way I used alcohol to numb the feeling of, I don't want to look at myself in the mirror and say, this is the situation. Here is the reality. Now, what am I going to do? Um, and so many people have been in that in different points of their lives. But the great news is, is that the power does exist in you. Um, a couple of things, being willing to look in the mirror and being accountable that it is, it is me. The problem is me like Taylor Swift. The problem is me. <laughs> um, it, it's the key. And without that, you might achieve um, like a small reprieve from whatever you're struggling with. But I choose to believe that ultimately you won't, be able to celebrate long-term happiness um, without being like, yeah, I totally own that. I was wrong. Um, and here's what I'm going to do next time to be better. Um, and, and that's the great thing is that every day that we are above dirt, walking this earth, um, granted by God, this chance to participate in life, um, we have an opportunity to make different choices. So you just make a choice that's different. You don't like how one feels, go to bed, wake up the next day, do something different the next day. Um, and I think something as simple as that is super lost on people because, you know, big money, big success, big problems, um, a lot of intelligent people try to make things much harder than they have to be. So simplifying down to, I don't like the way this makes me feel. So I'm going to do it differently. Um, that's incredibly powerful. And, and I, I mean, 1 million percent agree, 1 million percent agree. And before we get there, I want to just go back because I want to make sure all of our listeners like caught that one piece of gold. If you get, I mean, we're not even done, but if you get this, this one piece so far is that just said that if you are using something, alcohol, drugs, sex, work, um, social media, if you are using this one thing to put in place between you and your feelings, that is an indicator that you are hiding, running from, not owning, taking accountability for those feelings. And that one thing could grow and could grow and could grow and could put more distance between you and your feelings, which means it's going to be that much harder to come back. And so I just want everybody to take that piece because I've never heard it said like that. And that is so powerful. And I love that you, you, that you continue to use the word feelings. And so I love that you you just also said like wake up do something different. Let's talk a real quick about not real quick this is going to be a little bit about those habits. 
Because we talk about habits in health, in business, right? Like in business, it's like, I need to do X amount of prospecting calls per day to reach these many people, to close this amount of business, to hit this quota, right? It's a very finite game where with like your health and your being and your feelings, that's an infinite game. It's not like you want to like, there's no end point, right? We want to be feeling good every day. And I know that habits have been a very important um, tool that you have used. How have your habits like started when when you first got here to, to Scottsdale? And then how have they evolved over the last, it's six years, almost six and a half, mm-hmm. almost seven, like you're almost at seven years. Um, I, I would love to hear kind of that evolution because we don't like stop evolving, right? So I'm sure you've gotten better. We've learned from maybe some steps backward and to get forward again. Um, if you would share how those habits have started and then been able to change, that'd be so great. Absolutely. I, I love talking about this because these habits, this basic skeleton or framework is what in part has allowed um, me these continued gifts. Um, and the one that I talk about the most is probably a gratitude practice. Um, gratitude for me um, allows me to saves me from myself each day because it reminds me that what I have um, is enough and it lets me refocus situations um, in a way that changes my mindset, truly. Uh, An example of that is, in general, I try to write my gratitude list in the morning. And I have talked about this before because I, the visual is, is that I think gratitude is like Pepto-Bismol. So we can imagine Pepto-Bismol going into the body and it coats you and it protects you from, you know, whatever other medical ailments you may have. Um, gratitude is that for me in the sense that it coats my heart and my mind and my spirit. So when I go out in the world and I encounter people and I encounter situations, um, I am protected in the sense that I can see things for what they are. Um, and I can choose my reactions to things, um, I, for a period of time, I say I try to do that 90% of the time I do. If I do not write my gratitude list in the morning, nine times out of 10, my day is not nearly as good. I struggle with interactions with people. I am not as patient as I should be. Um, I am short-tempered and speak in an unkind way sometimes, um, And I just think that there's a direct correlation between starting my day in this place of gratitude and not, um, because it gets me right. It just, it settles me and it allows me to participate in life in, in the best way. And Um, and one thing before you go on, let me, I I just want to point this out is I hope everyone heard like she has more patience with everybody. You know, being a stylist, working in a very busy store in a very prominent um, shopping center here in North Scottsdale, you're interacting with all kinds of personalities, all kinds of people all day long, plus your team, right? At the store. And so this is one thing, you know, we talk about is like, we're always giving to everybody else that we don't often give to ourselves. And by you doing this every morning, you're actually, I mean, indirect, like indirectly, you're better for you, but directly you are actually better for everyone that you, you provide better experiences for your customers and you're a better teammate and you just participate daily with, with a sense that is like, you're full. So now I can go help other people be full too in that service. And I think that is what allows, um, what's granted me a fair amount of success, quite honestly, because I made it about them and not about me. And Mm -hmm. alcoholics are inherently, incredibly selfish and self-centered. It's a selfish disease. You think nothing of other people um, and everything is about you all the time. 
And your thinking does not immediately switch when you stop putting that substance in your body. Um, So it is a very conscious decision to choose to, um, to choose to think of others first. And I do it in a couple of ways. There are, there are a few themes that enter my gratitude list every day. Um, that's one thinking of others before I think of myself. Another is I pray to be a good listener, um, being someone who has had success being a good communicator and having a personality that can be, um, big and overbearing at times. I try hard to be a good listener. Uh, and there are a couple of ways that I, I do that. One is, is that I put it in my gratitude list and I'm very intentional about it. Um, another that I've kind of implemented recently is if I'm going to a a meeting or an occasion or an event, um, and there's an opportunity to have food or drink at said event, um, I will often get something to eat or drink while I am participating in this round table discussion or meeting because it forces me to not talk and to listen. Um, so, you know, I'll order a little snack or a meal or something, and I'll do that so that I'm very conscious to be like, okay, I'm going to listen and participate, but I don't have to talk every other word. I don't have to insert myself into every conversation. Um, I'm going to be here and hold space for others and be present. Um, but me being present isn't equated with me talking at all Mm, times. mm. Um, So being a good listener, I think, I think any good stylist or really any good service provider, that's literally all you're doing is you're listening to um, vocal cues, but then there's also body language cues. Um, There are other things that, that people do that they're maybe not aware of. So you're, you're basically just, observing other humans and then trying to fill their needs, whether or not they know they have them. Um, Mm. So you're anticipating a need before they have it, which really um, is such a gift for them because they're like, I didn't even know I needed this, or I didn't know I could do this, or I didn't know I could wear this or be this or say this. And the last thing I'll say about my gratitude list is that when my gratitude list is more about others, I know I'm in a good space. So when I'm able to say, I'm so grateful that I was able to help Megan um, shop for an upcoming event. I'm so grateful that Lois came in for new pants to go on vacation. Um, When I'm able to see those things, I'm kind of firing on all cylinders versus me being all about me all the time. Isn't that the truth though, right? I feel like sometimes... It's it's even like we think like, oh, I need to create this like perfect product or I need to put together this perfect outfit because I want to look like I'm an authority as a stylist or I want to put together this perfect presentation. That's not, that's still about you, right? So even in your day when you're like, I want to do this, I want to do this, it's how can we make them feel? So bringing back that feelings again, right? That we talked about is how do we want to make someone else feel in that certain situation, right? And being able to listen, like you said, you're going to hear the nuances that your client, your uh, prospect, your friend may not even realize they're saying, but if you're actively listening, you can be of service to them. And then make them feel incredible, which makes you like on the moon. That's so true. Um, and, and I think, again, that's an evolving practice. Some days I am far better at it than others. Um, some days I am still very selfish and self-centered and all of it is okay because I can have grace around the situation and be like, you know what? I was wrong. Uh, I can go back. Sometimes I can go back to that situation and and person. And if it's appropriate, I can say, you know what? I handled this this way and that was wrong of me and I apologize. 
um, mm-hmm. which I, I'm sure I apologize somewhere along the way before. Um, but I certainly, it's not the same. I'll just say that it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So being able to have that self-awareness, whether or not I want to right? like self-awareness isn't all sunshine and rainbows. It can also be, um, seeing some really ugly, broken parts of yourself, um, and loving them just the same. So I feel like in early sobriety, I, I definitely thought that, oh, I'm, I'm sober. Everything's going to be great. I'm just going to walk on air. Everything's going to become easy. Um, and in a lot of ways it is. In a lot of ways, my life is much easier. It does not mean that life is not going to still be life sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and through habits like this gratitude list and other things like healthy eating, I've been able to maintain some of the most uh, difficult times in my life post uh, post sobriety. And we're talking about death and loss. And we're also talking about um, relationships and people stuff, because all of that is going to happen. And learning to navigate those without a substance to block you from your feelings is hard. So again, back to your initial tie-in, you know, often people will say, if you're going through a breakup or if you get let go from a job, um, is often to throw yourself into the next situation, the next relationship, the next job, the next position. Uh, Okay. I mean, okay. If that's what you want to do, um, but I'd encourage you maybe to take a beat in between and be like, this is how this is affecting me. This is my part in that situation. This is my part in how this relationship went wrong. This is my part in how um, this job wasn't a good fit, how I wasn't a good employee, how I didn't communicate my needs, whatever the case is. Um, so taking a beat in between the first thing and then what you're on to next is really part of what lets us evolve and be better and show up as a healed person uh, the next time that you have that same situation. What what just hit me, Jess, and, and what's so neat about this, and and we could even talk about this too, is, is you're a personal stylist now. How incredible that you came into this role, right? Where you are now have so much self-reflection and it's not going to be perfect. You're right. This is life. We are we are human. We are not meant to be perfect. We're meant to strive for perfection, right? We are meant to like see where opportunities are to improve from where we were the day before, the hour before. But now you help people transform on the outside how they might be evolving on the inside. And I I love the perspective, like the self-reflection. Um this is something you know, I will share that in my family, there was a lot of selfishness, a lot. That's all I grew up with. And I started to see it. And I think that sometimes we need to see from the outside to be able to see what is potentially in us. And when we see that, that's when we can start making those changes. And it's hard. It's not easy. It is hard. But the fact that you use a tool like your gratitude list it wasn't just like, let me list everything I'm grateful for and be done. You then looked at that list and said, where it, where is my headspace right now? That's a self-reflection moment, right? You just didn't do it because us like high achievers and career driven and on the go, we, we like to be like, yep, check, did my gratitude list, boom, out the door. But you take it a step further and look and be like, okay, where's my headspace based upon that? That is a self-reflection moment. And that's something that anyone could do at the end of their day. They could do it at the beginning of the day. Jess is providing her example. I have heard many throughout the day, 
right? After a meeting, taking a moment and being like, how did that meeting go? Is that the way I wanted that meeting to go? How would I have changed it? How could I have shown up in better service? And then when you go to your next meeting, you're like, bam, I remember I want to be like this. I want to show up like this for others. Now you have another chance. You get a do-over. That's what's so neat, you know, and bringing it back. Like this is your bonus round in life. You you are living out a do-over right now. And so I think that there's, you have clearly demonstrated today, like how you go farther than just checking the list. You are, you are full self-reflection and then taking action. I try and I, that counts for a lot. Um, I know people don't love it when you say you try, but I do try. And I think the repetition of it, right. I, I love the idea that discipline is actually far stronger a characteristic than motivation because Mm. the discipline of doing it, and I have written one every single day for the past six years and change, um, with the exception of one day, which I've talked about on my social media, um, which was a huge wake up call for me because I'm like, what am I doing? Like, how could I have forgotten this? Because I was so wrapped up in a situation that, you know, I, it completely left my mind, which uh, was terrifying, honestly, at the time, like, wait, stop. Um, So the discipline of doing it each day in some form, morning, night, midday, whatever works for you, um, the discipline far outweighs the idea of motivation, being motivated to do something. Um, I think that's why I don't, I mean, motivational speakers are that, right? We provide motivation. Um, I just think the idea of discipline, daily disciplines, um, are far more valuable for waiting than waiting to motivation to hit. Like if you wait to be motivated to do something, you will most likely never do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will 100% call myself out on that because in my life, uh, in most in most circumstances, I'm incredibly messy. Like I'm a messy person. I have a messy house. Um, I do my best to stay on top of certain tasks because I know that if I let them go too long, my, my uh, mental health is kind of a, a, in a hiccup. Mm -hmm. So in active addiction, not only did I have a messy house, like I had a straight hoarder's house. Um, and I just, everything was so hard. I couldn't manage anything. Um, now I'm still messy, but I know that there are certain things that I need to do, um, so that I can feel better in the space that I'm in. Um, And that's definitely still a work in progress for me. Uh, And one that I've just kind of started talking about in the sense that the space that you work and live and, and the space that you sleep in um, being free of outside things uh, that keep you again from yourself and clutter your space emotionally and physically and how damaging that can be. My parents to this day uh, still don't have a television in their bedroom. Never did growing up. Um, We didn't really, it wasn't really a thing when I was a kid, but we didn't have TVs in our bedrooms. I don't think I had one until I was in college. Um, And, you know, now all these years later, my parents still don't have a television in their bedroom. And that is just a, like a habit that they put in place that they're like, this is not going to be in our space in our sanctuary this is not going to be this is not going to be us um I have a tv in my bedroom and that's okay um Mm -hmm. but I'm also pretty conscious to be like you know what I don't have to have it on all the time I can be in silence I can read I can not be on my phone I can write I can do other things that help me connect better to myself than drowning myself in TV. And I love television. I love movies. Um, and I probably still watch more than I should, 
but I'm also aware of how it feels inside when that's all I'm doing. I'm excited to share. I'm working on some new tools to have available for all my listeners, absolutely free. These are tools that I have used personally. If you haven't stopped by my website lately, I would definitely go over there, check it out as I have three free tools up there right now that have helped me elevate my health so that I can make more money. I've gotten some great feedback so far and I could not literally be happier that these are helping people like us change their lives. So I am always looking to create new tools to help all of us win bigger. So make sure you keep tuning in or drop by the site. Let's make sure to also be connected on Instagram or LinkedIn. Now let's get back to it and enjoy the show. It's kind of like if you sit there scrolling all day, like it, it doesn't feel good. But, you know, I, I want to come back real quick to discipline because I, I really love that. You know, habits is like, oh, have good habits, have good habits, develop habits, do this. And there's books on habits and habits are truly, truly transformational. Uh, that being said, it's it's almost having the mindset to stay disciplined. And I was going to pull up this this quote. And uh, Layla, Layla Hormozzi just posted this the other day, but what is required must be greater than what you feel like doing. Right? So that is having ultimate discipline. And if you, I, I'm going to definitely, you know, link up Jess's Instagram, because not only do you need to follow it for the style, but her stories, she has a incredible discipline with eating her healthy breakfast every morning. And you, if you've been listening to the show, you know, I am all about, you know, fueling your body for a, day, a good, great day and right. fueling. I'm speaking of food, but even the gratitude journal, like that is like fueling, but I would just love to, to touch on, you know, there's something else that you did for yourself, an investment that you did for yourself and you had a gastric sleeve. But just recently, you had a doctor that really supported it. And before you didn't, I'd love for you to share, you know, the decision on on why the gastric sleeve and then what discipline has kept you right now where you are, where you are maintaining the results and didn't expect that tool to do it for you. I mean, tools are are just that. Um, There are tools in our toolbox for life and in August of 2014, in August of 2015, um, I did have the gastric sleeve um, procedure after about a year of working with all kinds of doctors to try to figure out what was going, what was misfiring in my body. Mm -hmm. Um, A quick background on on that. I have uh, PCOS and endometriosis. Um, I had miscarried multiple times and my hormones um, and post-surgical body um, just kept snowballing in a way that I could not recover. And I was doing everything that I, I knew how to do Um, I was working with a physical trainer. I had a nutritionist. Um, I would work really, really, really hard with a trainer and with an eating plan. And I'd maybe lose two pounds, three pounds. Um, And it just became heartbreaking, truly, Mm -hmm. um, because ultimately... And at the time in the situation I was in, I did very much uh, want to be a mother and be pregnant and have a family. Um, So that was extra heartbreaking because doctors were basically like, you have to be able to lower your BMI to X amount in order to maintain a healthy pregnancy. Um, So after working with physicians who quite frankly, um, weren't all that helpful. 
there was a lot of medication. There was a lot of pharmaceuticals, a lot of um, things that they thought would would be a quick fix. Um, I took um, certain diet drugs for a while and had really negative side effects from them and kind of didn't care because I was that desperate. Um, at one time before I got sober, I was on 16 different pharmaceuticals. Um, and it ranged from anxiety and depression to high blood pressure, um, cholesterol, all kinds of health indicators that were a huge problem. Um, and the, the most difficult thing for me was that I was eating well and I was staying active and I was doing all the right things and the output wasn't reflecting that. So I, I opted for the gastric sleeve, um, like I said, as a last ditch effort um, to be able to uh, get pregnant and stay pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. And it was drastic. Um, it was a, it's a drastic procedure. The pre-op leading up to it is intense. The post-op, uh, after the procedure and then the eating plan to kind of get acclimated, um, is also difficult. Uh, and I kind of followed all of that to a T because again, it was that gift of desperation that I was determined and it was, it was hard. Like it was, I was sick. I was nauseous a lot. There was pain and discomfort. And I was like, I don't want to do this again. You know, I, if I'm going to be in this much discomfort, I'm going to get something out of it. So I, I set myself to be like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do what the doctors asked me and I'm going to like follow this eating plan to a T. Um, I will interject one thing. I, I'm not a doctor and I don't know for sure, but um, I did follow doctor's orders and wait until a certain time period after my gastric sleeve to begin drinking again. Um, alcohol metabolizes in the body much differently with gastric sleeve uh, than it does for a regular person. And I will say that, again, the accountability. Having a gastric sleeve didn't make me an alcoholic. Did it put the foot on the gas pedal and made that like much faster and much more intense and a lot scarier. Probably that was my experience. Um, but, and, and gratefully I've been able to encounter a lot of other people who have had transfer addictions, um, post, uh, weight loss surgery to alcohol and kind of know that you're not alone. Um, so I, I truly think that for me, getting the gastric sleeve um, and and being in that space of I'm so desperate, I will do anything, and then kind of hating myself for it caused me to just pour alcohol on it to a sense of I, I just I I wanted to conform to something so badly. Um to in my mind become worthy as a, as a woman and as a spouse um, and, and ultimately as a mother to become worthy um, to be able to maintain a pregnancy and then hating myself for those feelings that was all wrapped up in a, a, uh, a perfect storm of emotion for me. Uh, so once I was able to, navigate sobriety kind of on the other side and in treatment that's when the breakfast started honestly is because in um in inpatient treatment and in the sober living house um it's with groups of women um sometimes 10 or 12 at a time 
and getting up early was kind of the only time that you could ever be by yourself. And I was an isolated binge drinker and I still like to be isolated because I'm a bit of a loner and I was desperate to be by myself and in treatment in group treatment, you are never by yourself um, ever, ever like you have roommates and then you have group sessions and you have like, it's nothing's by yourself again. And, and that is all by design, which I understand. Um, But once I had the ability to be like, I'm going to carve out this little time for myself and I'm going to make my breakfast and put it on a plate and make it look nice and have it be healthy and have it fill me up physically and emotionally and just be this nice act of self-care to start my day. That's how that started is that was the one of the only tools that I had at the time to be like, okay, I'm going to do this for myself each day. Um, and sometimes, even five, six years later, when, when I was struggling with difficult things, whether it be the, the loss of a relationship or I lost both of my dogs um, in sobriety, if I could manage to write a gratitude list and eat breakfast, I may not do anything else that day, but I managed to do those two things. And to me, that was enough because I was filling my body in a way that was proper in fuel. And I was filling my soul and my spirit with the gratitude list and everything else could wait. Mm-hmm. Everything else could fall by the wayside until I was able to kind of participate in life again. Um, and, and yeah, I do post my breakfast for a couple of reasons. I think it's fun. Um, I do love the comments and the, the feedback about it. But again, it's also a piece of that accountability where if I don't post something or I, it, it's such a habit and such a expected post from me that if someone in your community is suddenly like, Hey, are you okay? Is there something going on? Can I help you with something? Um, you know, that's, that's the true sense to me of, of being accountable and being like, I'm going to tell them myself and no, I didn't eat today because of X, Y, and Z. And then it opens up a conversation about, well, I understand you feeling that way, but, you know, please try to get something to eat and get some sleep or whatever, whatever you need at the time. Um, so I think all of that is such a testament um, to the discipline of, of a healthy breakfast. And, and yes, a doctor did recently be like, you know what, you did it. You know, I, I, I lost, um, a little over a hundred pounds, um, and have maintained it since. Um, I also kind of evolved into a lifestyle that helps me maintain that the healthy eating is, is a lot of it, but I also have a physical job. Um, I walk to and from work when I'm able to most days and, I have a lifestyle where I'm just walking and lifting and moving things a lot. Um, and that has helped me much more than, I mean, I, I kind of came up in a very high intense CrossFit community. Um, army towns were very, they were very popular and that kind of, and those workouts are great for, lots of people. They were not great for me in the sense that, um, with PCOS and endometriosis, it was just like a constant, um, hiccup in my, in my body, like a, a hormonal backlash because it was just disrupted all the time. It wasn't, it wasn't a healthy kind of movement for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so having that tool, maintaining that tool, also being honest about that tool um, is really important to me. Uh, I, I've started talking about it a little bit more because it's important. Um, it's part of my journey. I have kind of, initially I was not as open to talking about it because it felt, I think in part, it kind of felt like alcoholism or like addiction. It was a bit taboo. It wasn't something you talked about, mm-hmm. certainly not in any kind of public forum. Yep. Um, but ultimately I decided, why am I talking about one and not the other? Um, they're both equally important and there's still some connections between alcohol use and, um, bariatric surgeries. Um, and there's a fair amount of studies around that because it, it, you do metabolize alcohol differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially if the reason that you struggled with weight was some kind of binge eating. Okay. Well, you were maybe struggled with that. And then you had a bariatric tool and then you just transferred that addiction to something else, um, which is so scary to think about um, because I've seen it and it's not pretty, but staying aware of it and talking about it is one of the ways that I kind of help keep that at bay. Which I think is incredibly important. And again, it it comes back to what you said at the beginning is that if you are using something, whatever that may be, that is your thing to prevent you from feeling the feelings, right? Like it's coming in between the feelings that you're having. And that is a trigger. Like that is something that should be reflected on or could be reflected on as like, okay, why, what feelings am I avoiding? And what tool or what thing am I using to avoid these feelings? That's the the dissection and the reflection on it. So I think it all comes back to that. What you said in the beginning is so, so powerful. And, you know, one thing that I just would be remiss if we did not just touch on, especially on the show, is these small things that you do, stacking small successes is is like how habits, is how discipline is formed. Getting up early, having your, your cup of coffee or tea or what have you, having a great breakfast, maybe reading, journaling, um, whatever it is. Nothing is a have to. But if these things fill you up to start the day, this is something that I have talked about as like a mom, a leader, a per- whoever. Like for me, I get up at 4.55 because guess what? No one else is awake in my house. So I get one hour, 100% dedicated to me. And when I get that one hour, I feel incredible. So yeah, do I want to wake up, especially in the winter when it's like pitch black out at 4.55? No. However, I can tell a significant difference in how I show up in the day for others when I invest in that time, when I have the, the discipline to do that. So having that breakfast... And I love that you said posting it online. You know, some people can laugh and be like, oh, why is the stylist posting about breakfast? Blah, blah, blah. Sometimes, you know, we we talk about the the idea of accountability and whether it's accountability in your business and, and or your health, right? Like accountability, like you have certain metrics that you have to meet to be able to get certain bonuses or what have you. And or in your health, like you have a coach, you're paying for nutritionists, you're paying for all these things, right? That are gonna keep you accountable. Not everybody can do that. But you know what you can use is your friends. You can use your social network. And by posting your breakfast every day, it's like, oh, there's Jess's breakfast. That looks delicious. That inspires me. And I know she's good. So when you need to be held accountable or when you want to be held accountable, sometimes we do to become disciplined. We do need to be held accountable. Know that you don't always have to go spend money and hire the coaches and hire the mentors and what have you. Find your community, you guys do it together. And even if it's you showing up every day, posting that breakfast, posting that beautiful cup of coffee, whatever it is, what you're reading. You you guys see, I post a lot what I'm reading every, you know, because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so great. That is a, that is a form of accountability. 
So I really love that you shared that. And, you know, Jess, as we close up here right now, um, I'd love for you to just maybe share one tip that would help someone just make the smallest perspective change to be able to self-reflect. You've been in that position. I have too. I'd love to hear yours of hiding from certain feelings. What's one tip you could give our listeners to really face it? You got to tell the truth. You got to tell someone something. And I'll say that the first time that you get honest, that it doesn't necessarily have to be the big thing. It can be the smaller thing. And it can be, you know what? I really didn't like the way that that you spoke to me. Um, I'd prefer like that you not say that, or I'd prefer that you don't tell that kind of joke in my presence, or I'd prefer um, you not bringing that situation up. Um, and then eventually you're able to get honest about the big things in the sense that you could potentially, and I'll speak for myself, I could look in the mirror and, and say to a group, I am a raging alcoholic. Um, I need help. Um, I am struggling with self-worth. Uh, and I had a lot of things in my life that I was not honest about with a lot of people for a while. And ultimately, all of those half-truths or um, outright lies, they add up to a whole lot of what I say is like my insides and my outsides didn't match. So I had this facade of this person and this situation where everything on the outside appeared a certain way, but on the inside, um, like I was literally dying. And at the end, I was trying to end my life either by alcohol or by putting myself in situations that were so dangerous that I could have. Um, and it wasn't until I started to tell the truth about what had happened, what I was feeling, what I wanted, what I needed. Once I started to do that, that's when I, I found relief. Um, so I think, so it sounds very simple. It's like, tell the truth. Kids can get it right most of the time. Um, as adults, we like to spin things into, well, I'm, I'm not going to tell you I'm not okay because you're so busy with your own life. I don't want you to worry about me. So it's, I'm protecting you from this about me. We're in the senses, bullshit. <laughs> you're, you're not telling the truth because you don't want to tell the truth because you're not able to verbalize it, which is a very real thing. Like one, the first time that you tell the truth and it's like that thing that's way down in your soul that you never thought that you would voice on this earth and, and you're able to kind of spit it out in the presence of others and be accepted and um, make changes around it, it changes your life. Um, so the next time that somebody asks you, how are you? You can simply say, I'm okay or I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Mm. Um, we've all been in social situations where it's, it's the curse of fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Um, she was not fine. Right. Like mm -hmm. the Morgan Freeman voice over the top and she was not fine. Mm -hmm. Um, which for me, again, on the, on the gratitude list, um, I want my insides and my outsides to match. If I am okay, you're going to know I'm okay. If I'm not okay, you're also going to know that I'm not okay. Both are fine. Both are completely acceptable. Both are allowed in your life. Uh, but if you want to 
change your life, change your circumstances, level up. You got to get honest. Jess, I just got to say thank you. I mean, what an incredible episode. Um, I, I want to acknowledge you for everything that you shared. Um, I know that you touched many lives today. And even if you only touched one, it was 100 million percent worth it. Um, I know that you touched mine, but I know that one of our listeners, um, you, you, you gave them something new to think about. Now, I know that you are on Instagram. Is there anywhere else that they can follow you? And I'll make sure that we link it in the notes. I have um, a presence on LinkedIn as well and okay. and Facebook. Um, I am currently looking for uh, future opportunities to share my message. Um, and if you think that I would be a good fit for your organization to share in a workshop or a seminar or a um, conference, I would love to talk about it. Awesome. Well, this is a great one to give them a taste of what they could get. Now, uh, thank you again. And everyone tuning in, really appreciate you. Stay tuned because I am going to be dropping a five-part series, which is my health and wealth blueprint series. Uh, So that is coming up. You're going to want to be watching that. And then don't forget, however you found this show, social media, a friend, pay it forward, share it with someone else, and let's touch lots of lives here. Thank you.